0: everybody, to another edition of the Entertainment from the 573. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Thank you to Anchor for sponsoring this episode, as well as every episode that we do here on the Entertainment Channel, along with our Views Channel, which you can go check out on whatever podcasting platform you prefer, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We got it all. YouTube, go check that out as well. We got a Views episode coming up here soon, so be tuned in for that, but on entertainment here. Peter, let me tell you something. They said send in the clowns, so they sent in us to do this Joker podcast.
1: Well, who else would you really call upon to uh talk about clowns besides <laughs> Let's if you if you talk about sports, you're automatically a clown. <laughs> uh,
0: especially if you're a Tennessee fan like me or you like the Knicks or the Pirates.
1: Yep. And I'm two of those, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, one now cuz the other one was a uh, Re- re- uh relieved by a wheel spin on the internet
0: <laughs> yeah it was go and, raptors <laughs> that's how much of a cl- uh, that's how much of clowns we are here so we are talking about joker and talking and going in depth into some of the spoiler stuff we'll probably do a little talk about spoilers uh, non-spoiler stuff to before we get into all that we'll also talk about the little bit of news that Happened on the day after, of course, I recorded a podcast, a short one, talking about Batman news and talking about Feige doing a Star Wars film. And, of course, Spidey is back in the MCU. We're happy that it's done. We're going to be discussing that at the end. But first off, Peter went on a little road trip here. And you know what, guys? We have some breaking news. Peter, what has happened to you on your road trip? I like Star Wars again.
1: Hey, at least until Rise of Skywalker. Oh, absolutely! But hey, listen, temp- temporary liking is better than not liking at all. Yeah. Funny enough, when I saw Joker today, I finally saw the uh, trailer for Knives Out, that Ryan Johnson movie. Yeah. And what the moment said from the director of Looper and Last Jedi, I was like, "That is you. You are not even you're selling it, you're selling it to me in the worst way possible with that right there." Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I've heard good things about that movie. Yeah, it'll probably be fine, but
0: I just don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the last I heard it got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's dropped down to like 97, 98, so he's not doing too bad.
1: Yeah, it's, it's Ryan Johnson, though, so it's, it's probably going to subvert our expectations. It's not even a murder mystery. It's just, you know, whatever, whatever crazy thing he could do. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: Peter, where all did you get up to on your vacation? You went to two so- big places.
1: Yes, yeah, so I should uh, preface this. My boy Colin's getting married, so his bachelor party was uh, in Orlando. We originally went down there for uh to Universal Orlando for their Halloween Horror Nights, which we'll get into later. Because uh, this is something, you know, it's a big part of entertainment. We don't realize that the whole theme park aspect, they put a, a ridiculous amount of money into it because the only ones I've ever really gone to is Kennywood, the Pittsburgh one, Hershey Park, and Six Flags St. Louis. And those are, you know, pretty standard run-of-the-mill theme parks, I would say. Yeah. just uh, You just line up and ride a ride and that's it. These these, these SOBs put stories into it, which is <laughs> kind of crazy. But yeah, so we got, we we drove basically from uh, Alton, Illinois to Orlando, Florida, which uh, yeah, it's, it's just as long as a drive that, as you would guess, but it's actually cheaper in the long run, just super, super, super long. Yeah. I bet. So we were just there for the Halloween Horror Night thing on Saturday. But uh, we Collins had a contact at Disney World. So we were able to get in for free that Friday when we drove in. Oh, man. <laughs> and we had, the, which is crazy. And we went to the uh, Hollywood studio, former formerly the MGM studios at Disney World. Yeah. Which Disney World is basically like the Gilded Age in orlando like seventy five thousand employees i heard oh, crap. and they treat them like absolute garbage it is it is wonderful <laughs> it's like what they're doing there should be borderline illegal <laughs> but they're so powerful that orlando has no power of them it's, it's beautiful it's honestly beautiful <laughs> but yeah so we went in there got to do the uh Hollywood uh, Hollywood Tower of Terror, which was uh, pretty dope. Pretty dope. Yep. But, of course, the big thing there, of course, is... Uh, so, not only did they open Star Wars Land in uh, Disneyland in California, they also opened it at Disney World, because why wouldn't you? It's the busiest place on Earth. Right. And, uh... I guess, first off, uh, it was actually surprisingly not that busy. Like, the, uh... <sighs> And uh, I had some thoughts on that. I, my first thing was, when you think of a Star Wars land, a couple things would come to my mind. I would be thinking, you know, Luke's going to be there, Han's going to be there, Leia's going to be there. You're going to have some section for, you know, like a Bespin thing, a Hoth thing, a uh, Naboo thing maybe if you're into the prequels. Yeah. No, this is, uh, this is set in the new sequel timeline, so of course you already knew from the beginning. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> And it's it's, 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 uh, it's its own planet. So I forget what it's called, but again, with new Star Wars planets, I, I don't care, because they're just generic-looking trash heaps. <laughs> Come at me, <laughs> mouse. <laughs> but aside from that, which I think is the reason maybe why I wasn't so busy, because there's not really a lot to be recognized there, but I would say as a proof of concept, because you can only imagine... Disney will one day make an entire theme park to Star Wars. This was just a test run.
0: Oh, yes, they will.
1: Which I got to say, for what they have there now is fairly impressive. And that's coming from someone who hates these new movies.
0: Yep. (laughs) With a passion. But loves them now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll get to the reason why. The first one was, I want a picture of the Stormtroopers. Yep. So, of course, every time Stormtroopers were walking by, I saluted them. (laughs) Because, you know, the Empire was right. (laughs) So, uh, there's like a point where a first order generals leading a bunch of stormtroopers, salute them, of course, because, you know, got to pay my respect to the empire. (laughs) And he's like, you seen any rebel scum around here? I'm like, oh, I will absolutely help you find some rebel scum. And he asked me for my freaking ID. (laughs) So I give my driver's license. Like, how do I know you're not a resistance spy? I was like, oh, this is great. I didn't even get a picture, but I'm honestly not mad. That was better. Yeah, it was. Because that's the thing about Disney that I didn't realize. Everyone there is an actor, basically. Oh, yeah. Like, where Six Flags, you can easily get a picture of Bugs Bunny, no one's going to stop you. There, <laughs> <laughs> they're those stormtroopers, they think they're on a, on another planet looking for resistance spies. Yep. Which might Dunn <laughs> should just point out a map to where the Millennium Falcon was but like, there they are. <laughs> <laughs> There's where that <laughs> uh, father of Kylo Ren was. <laughs> Blew up the Death Star flies, you gotta go kill him. but yeah that so that was fantastic uh there's like a little r2d2 in one of the shops which was super great bb8 sucks r2d2's the man
0: yeah he is
1: but the big thing of course was the millennium falcon there's a motto of it outside you don't go into it there's like a like there's like a mountain behind it where the line for the millennium falcon ride is yeah which was uh, which was pretty dope. Yeah, you, basic. Yeah, you said you got to pilot it. Yeah, so uh, in that ride, there's it can hold six people. Two are pilots, two are gunners, two are engineers. I s- somehow got lucky enough to be one of the pilots. <laughs> and if you're ever going on this ride, be the right pilot because you control the Millennium Falcon up and down, but you're also the one who sends it into hyperspace. Nice. So I got to send the Millennium Falcon to hyperspace, which was dope. Oh, I crashed it immediately. We should, <laughs> we should point that out. <laughs> Within seconds, I ran it into something. <laughs> so that was dope. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was pretty much the. I just got to. I got to do Star Tours, as well as something I always wanted to do. Yeah. Because that was also in Hollywood uh, Studios. And uh, if you're a prequel fan, you must—you probably should have been on my ride because we got the—the uh, the, all the luck with the prequels. Oh man, <laughs> we had the opening of Vader saying there's a spy on board, and C3PO just takes off. <laughs> Jesse, C3PO is a pilot of a, basically an airplane, just a generic airplane. in The Star Wars universe is the greatest thing to happen in <laughs> humanity's history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We got to go to Kashyyyk, which was interesting because they the big scene there was like an end chasing of scout troopers, which I thought was, okay, this is interesting. And then you're over the Battle of Coruscant and then driving through the traffic of Coruscant proper. So that was interesting because there's like a bunch of scenarios Star Tours could give you. And those are the ones we got. But I was satisfied with that. <laughs> and even then, not too long of a wait. So even better. So, yep. Yeah, okay. Disney World, I saw, like, what, one of the seven parks and not even the majority of it? <laughs> Can, I, pff, a vacation there must be an actual nightmare. <laughs> yeah, uh, listen, my dad
0: took us on a surprise trip there, and we didn't <sighs> even know it. It was like, what are we doing?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, Star Wars, their Star Wars uh, land there at Disney World, Uh, it's good. It's very good. <laughs> There It'll make go. even the most cynical fan like Star Wars again for a little bit. <laughs> Until Rise of Skywalker comes out. Oh, you can only imagine what that's going to end up being. <laughs> you can only imagine how much we were railing against Last Jedi on this, you know, 15-hour drive. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Pretty much just
0: dissected it. Well, listen, Peter, we, I mean, we, you, we basically have done that very thing since mm-hmm. the beginning of this podcast.
1: Let me just say, if Matt Mormon was in that car, he would have jumped out, because he would have been in a losing fight. <laughs> it was three people who were having none of The Last Jedi's <laughs> existence. So tell us about Universal. Yeah, because that was the main event. So basically what uh, Universal Studios does, because Disney's the top dog, clearly, and everything, they have to kind of, you know, get creative and compete. Yeah. And from what their rides were, because I actually did get to ride some of those, but also from their uh, their Horror Night, I would say Universal's kind of out-innovating Disney at this time. Mm. Which is shouldn't be too much of a surprise, because when you're number one like Disney, what's the point of trying? They do, don't get me wrong. Just not as But, long. you know, yeah, exactly. It's not like, you know, they need to. The brand sells itself. So basically, yeah, Universal had a... Uh, How do I just... Let me... How to describe this. So they had like, actual, you know, haunted houses. And they had like, scare zones. So, basically, a haunted house is, you know, a haunted house. I don't really think I need to explain that. But a scare zone is, like, the things that are, you know, outside... Basically, the uh, the paths of the park. Mm -hmm. Sections are turned into, like, these, you know, horror things. So, uh, basically, they had a Rob Zombie section, which was... (laughs) I'm surprised they had, because they had, like, half-naked women dancing around. They had, basically, people looking at their opioid addicts, chasing people around. It was, <laughs> it was dope. Uh, there was a Zombieland studio, which was pretty amusing, because it's, if you've seen Zombieland, all the zombies are just slow, but then they'll start chasing people, so that was amusing to watch. Yeah. <laughs> the best part was, it was called a, an arcade. It's basically a arcade comes to life, and everything's trying to kill you. So people are dressed up like the Purge with chainsaws, and there's girls on stilts. It was weird. I liked it. So yeah, they captured the aesthetic of the park well, but the, uh, High Houses themselves didn't get to go on all of them. The, uh, the Stranger Things one was like two hours long in terms of wait time, and I was like, that noise. I haven't even watched the show, so that's not a big deal. Uh, the, I guess I'd go from worst to best. There was like a Roman blood pit, which like the gladiators were. It was just generic. Yeah. Uh, there was a Killer Clowns from Outer Space one, which was fun, but if you've ever seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space, it's hard to take seriously as, you know, something to scare you. Like, I was just laughing the whole time we were going through it. There was a Yeti one where basically, it's kind of like the, uh, the Thing, if you've seen that movie. It's like a remote part of, you know, a remote snowy area and just, like, Yeti's murdering people, which was pretty, I had the best, uh, interaction because, uh, one of my friends behind me pointed up, and they are like a Yeti, and as I put my head back to, you know, look forward, there's a hand coming down. <laughs> that got me good. That was great. <laughs> and of course, by then, I was like, I had two white claws in me. Uh, we also did the, uh... oh yeah, so th- yeah, actually only five, now I think about. It. Oh no, Graveyard Games, which is basically a bunch of uh, anarchist teenagers vandalize a graveyard, and all the ghosts are <laughs> off now. That was amusing. <laughs> But the two best ones, so it was Universal Monsters and Ghostbusters. The Universal Monsters one, uh, if you know, like the Universal Monsters, you know Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, Creature from the Black Moon, all that's in there. They're not; ha- they're more of like a scarier version, I would say. But it was a very interesting thing to walk through. But uh, the Ghostbusters one, ironically enough, was the best, even though it wasn't scary. It was the most creative. If you've seen Ghostbusters, it's it's dead on. Also, the Ghostbusters themselves were the scariest part of that attraction because they would like come across, come around the corner and it's like freak <laughs> you out. But ha- it had everything. Slimer was there. Stay Puff Marshmallow was there. Zool was there. It was wonderful. And uh, they had an actress playing uh, Janine, the secretary, and she, whoever this girl was, I hope she was getting paid the big money because. She just had to be talking on a phone the whole time, interacting with guests. Like all these actors in this thing were, they were earning their money that night. I hope it was big. I hope it wasn't you know, yeah, Disney Disney minimum minimum wage.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, uh, haunted horror nights. Uh, ha- sorry, Halloween horror nights at Universal Orlando. I would definitely recommend if you if you want to make that trek to Orlando and pay the price. It's it's really worth it, if, especially if you like. Uh, getting scared i know matt mormon doesn't <laughs> but from a ride standpoint so because again we were in the uh hollywood studio section of the park so we got to do the uh go to the dragonaut alley i'm saying that Di- diagon alley
0: yeah diagon alley
1: yeah like i say, I was never a harry potter guy but uh <laughs> got to the escape from uh gringotts ride which is kind of imp- it's a roller coaster with like 3d and it's oh no yeah i'm
0: like, I, I've- I went back. Oh, what, how long was it? About four years ago, and mm-hmm. that that was like maybe a year or two old at the time, or maybe it was even newer than that. But I, it was so much fun, and I've been there twice. So it, I hate that you didn't get to have any butter beer. That that's that stuff is amazing.
1: Well, as I told you pre-show, I was already drunk at that point from the pre-game, so yeah, <laughs> probably wouldn't have made a difference.
0: You know what, Peter? So, right before we get into our Joker talk, let's make a mention. It's the one-year anniversary of something very special, (laughs) near and dear to our hearts. Our Frogger idea.
1: Yeah, I cannot believe it's only been a year since. I could have sworn we did it earlier than October 2018, but it sounds right. It feels like it's been a
0: century since we came up with that idea.
1: (laughs) And it's just been the thing that just gets stupider and stupider every time we talk about it.
0: Hey, Disney, you want some original content here? But anyway, let's get on to Joker. And of course, that opened up this weekend. So let's talk about non-spoilery stuff off to begin with. Now, Peter actually saw this. We're recording this Tuesday night. He saw this at 1030 this morning. I just came out of showing about what, maybe a little over three, almost three hours ago. And so it's pretty fresh in both of our heads. Mm-hmm. and so let's just talk about some of the non-spoilery stuff uh let me just say joaquin phoenix knocked out the park
1: oh yeah great great performance uh i still think ledger is the better one but i think this one had a little more little more balls to it and we'll and again we have to since we're non-spoilers we'll have to stay clear of that but i think my biggest takeaway was the the controversy around this film was so unwarranted. Yes, no, it was. I do not see how this would cause an incel rebellion. Like, If anything, this would cause a class rebellion.
0: Like, I mean, okay, I talked about this as far as expectations. Really, Deadpool and John Wick have more killing than this one. Of course, Joker kills some people. That's Joker. Yeah. But it's not like it's like any of those films, where they're just killing people. Like, John Wick maybe has killed a thousand people in a week.
1: Yeah. I mean, d- do people forget Joker's a villain? <laughs> I guess so. They forget one. And one a- of the more, especially in the comments, one of the more gruesome ones, like the Killing Joke, he's a, he is pure psychopath, man. <laughs> like, I which I think there are a couple hints of that storyline
0: in this one, which I, uh, were pretty funny.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, because Todd Phillips and company, they wanted to go for a fully original storyline. Yeah. Which, uh, Todd Phillips, for those of you don't know... Uh, did all the hangover movies, old school. He did War Dogs a couple years ago, I guess, like, you know, yeah. dip his feet in the water to, you know, do a non comedy, but still in a comedy. So I think this was his first, you know, true non comedy. Yeah. Which is crazy because there, there wasn't much funny to be had, I no. would say. I wasn't really, I never, I think I laughed once and it was just because I think I was showing pity to the joke. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, there are a couple moments I, I kind of got to chuckle, but uh, that's spoiler talk. But, yeah, Joaquin, absolutely great. Tom Phillips the great. Uh, the cinematography and the score were just amazing, especially the score, especially as you listen to it throughout, which I can't pronounce the composer's name who did the score, but apparently they did Chernobyl. If oh, you, okay. If you've watched Chernobyl... You know how haunting and, and scary though uh, that score is, and this one was as well. And the cello playing, and like the score, each moment like something happened. and would progress as he would fall into the madness that is the Joker. But the score, this is maybe one of the first real times I played. I paid close attention to the cinematography, to the score, and both were amazing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there, like I say, there's a lot of good going on in this film. Uh, I would say overall I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. I was fine with a lot of it. And, yeah, I, I think, there, like I say, we'll have to get more when we talk about the story. I kind of thought a lot of it was just, you know, a checklist of like, okay, we're doing a movie about, you know, a crazy person. What do we have to do? Oh, you know... Here's the back, this part of the backstory, this part of the backstory, which, like I say, we'll get into it in the spoiler talk, but I felt like the first uh, 60, 65% of the film was kind of just muddily, you know? Like, I was kind of confused, like, where is this going? They're just introducing a bunch of things, but the, the finale of it is very good. I will give it that. I, I would recommend it regardless. I mean, I would recommend it just, you know, stick it to those media d- looking for clickbait and honestly looking for someone to shoot up a theater so they can get ratings like that was the worst part of all this no one would have had any any idea that this was uh any idea to do anything if it wasn't for these frauds thinking oh this this is this is inappropriate violence gonna cause real world violence three weeks ago you people were saying video games don't cause violence but now you're saying that these films will cause an insult rebellion (laughs) Get out of here! Yeah. Also, the actual incels get a freaking life. I got late. It's not that hard. Just don't be an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> this film, this film made me just so mad because it's like the whole lead up to it, like prior to reviews coming out, was you know pretty exciting. I don't really think people had a problem with it. No. But uh, let me let me get this, let me get that idiot critic's name. He used to be for NPR, but he got a. Yeah, I can't because he made a joke about a uh, last Tango in Paris David Elsin I think yeah David Elsin for uh, things with the New Yorker now uh he was basically like uh in the same way this German philosopher saw the rise of the Nazis this film will also be this film could also be the rise of in silver but it's like shut your f- out but in all honestly I mean are you kidding me? This is the film you thought was gonna cause violence. I've seen worse stuff in eighty slasher movies. This was nothing. <laughs> it was so frustrating just to oh no, just 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 watching this and knowing that people were making out to be like, it, this is this is gonna send the world into chaos. Like, no, it wasn't. No, <laughs> it was a it was a Joker film. This is what the Joker's supposed to do. The best. Uh, the best praise I could give it is that if uh, this was, if you could have uh, made an argument that this could have been, like, you know, the true origin story that would, you know, do Heath Ledger's Joker proud, I think it did. Yeah. But on the flip side, what's great about the Joker character, for me at least, in film and comics, was that you never know what his backstory was. Like, even in uh, The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger... Every time he did, you know, the whole, you know how I got the Scar story, it changes. <laughs> so we never, we never knew. Yeah. And, you know, Killing Joke, as much as I think it's a good comic, it kind of just feels, you know, like a cop out, like, oh, how did the Joker become the Joker? It's like, a uh, struggling comedian falls in chemicals, which, you know, again, it's more for the, for the eighties was more acceptable. Cause you know, our thoughts on mental health weren't really what they are now. No. Yeah. And this film does it fairly <sighs> fairly well again it's it's, it's kind of checklisty and we, when we get into true spoilers here pretty soon i imagine i'll go into more detail yeah about what i mean by that but yeah i mean it's fine for what it is as a interesting co- for especially for warner Bros in dc which like to do dark stuff yeah, yeah. D- m- just have your villains be the dark stuff and have the superhero movies be the fun stuff yeah I'll t- I'll take Shazam doing what it does and Joker doing what it does, as long as they don't interfere. Well, I know they've talked about doing some DC Black label stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: Which good stuff. I don't know. Uh, there's been talk about maybe doing a Lex Luthor film or maybe trying to do something with the Riddler. Oh, Lex would be
1: a good ruthless story.
0: Well, they've talked about him like taking a storyline and making him president, basically. Oh, Yeah in my dcu that was one of the big plot points yeah so i mean like that's something they could work with and it it's successful and this weekend proved it, i believe i think the box office was at like what 96 overall opening weekend and oh it
1: it broke all the october records i think worldwide right now it's uh yeah 258 million yeah next to a uh 64 million dollar budget so it's made its money back and it's just a profit standpoint at this point. So, uh, great job critics. Your, uh, your, your boycott and fear mongering worked. well. <laughs> there so, hasn't been a single incident at the yet. Great job. You look like clowns. <laughs> which is fitting. The- Bigger than the Joker. <laughs> Peter, you know what?
0: I'm surprised there was no Antonio Brown in this movie.
1: Oh, well, cause you know, they started production like, you know, I think last year, but Hey, if it was starting this year, Oh, main character. You, you, you <laughs> You still could fit him
0: in during reshoots or uh, something. Yeah.
1: Just have a, even though it's 1981, just have a Joker run around in an AB jersey. He, he, hey, AB's got nothing to do right now. No. It's just so, simple CGI.
0: <laughs> so let's get into spoilers. And one of the things you brought up about the Joker's origin story is I think it, it goes back to Killing Joker, where there's a line where he says, If I were to have a pass, I prefer it not to be multiple choice. Mm-hmm. I think some of this film calls to that. And this is where we're going to get into spoiler stuff. Uh, we'll talk about all this stuff, Easter eggs, the ending, all this stuff here. One of the things I found uh, that that's interesting that plays off of that is, uh, of course, the origin. his origin story is basically built on lies, where he came from. Whether mm-hmm. he was actually Penny Flex. Real son, or whether he was an adopted child of a mother and her boyfriend who abused him, tied him to a radiator, and basically hurt his brain to the max.
1: Yeah, because over the film, she's lying to him about, you know, just a condition when in reality, it's, you know, it was her fault because, you know, she herself is not all there. So that was it. Because that, that was my thing about the overall point of the film, I think, it was trying to make. Because that, that was my thing, especially as the ending was coming. I was like, what are they trying to do here? Is it just, you know, shock value? I think the message is that no matter what we do, we're always going to have people like this. Yes. We can maybe, you know, help stop it, but they're always going to exist. Yeah, and I think that's... I, my- I, I guess, because that's, that's my thing with, uh, with the, the director and basically writer in this case, Todd Phillips. I mean... I don't think this is the best guy for this type of movie because you know, he his stuff was Hangover and old. It was like a, it was like the guy who did uh, Vice, the Dick Cheney movie that came out yes. a couple months ago. Uh, Adam S- McKay. Same, yeah, same thing. A guy whose whole career was you know Anchorman, Will Ferrell movies, and you know suddenly he's trying to be political and nuanced, but it just feels like you know a high school freshman who just discovered you know politics and is trying to make himself look smart. Yeah, that's what I kind of got from Todd Phillips a couple times, especially the mental health stuff. I was like, because my whole thing of the checklist was, you know, you know, rough childhood check, struggling something check, you know, uh, can't can't reach his dreams check, and then of course we get to you know, the uh, stuff with you know the social workers like, oh, the budget got cut check, yep. uh his, his dreams is getting made fun of by you know the talk It's like. All the things were just going too convenient. And, you know... I, uh, I, now, in terms of, like, a comic book movie, which I would consider this to be, even though it tries to be more mature... Oh, no! I, I get it, that, because that's a really, villain.
0: It doesn't really feel that much of a comic book movie, to be to me, at least.
1: Yeah, it, I get it. It's going for more graphic novel, but I'm saying, you know, for, like, the comic book character, that's fine. In terms of, you know, just getting, like, a basic outline to introduce a character. But when it's, like, an origin story... It's kind of like, uh, did you really need to do be so basic? And you know what?
0: I, I think it dealt with the mental st- health stuff, and it dealt with how how do we handle that? Do we do we offer a helping hand to some people like that? How do we recognize the signs? It also dealt with stuff like the one percent and the ninety nine
1: percent. That was my that? thing. The, how 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 did any critic watching this get the vibe that this is gonna? Cause a bunch of white dudes to kill their girlfriends and kill women. Like th- this whole, the whole point of this film was the class system. Yeah. And if have- this came out in 2011, Fox news would be like, is Joker gonna embroil the 99% to kill the rich? This still, it's like critics. This film was on your, your stupid political side. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're, and you're trashing it because Aurora happened. Which I, I gotta pause here because, you know, a lot of people bring up, you know, the Aurora tragedy that happened seven years ago. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the, uh, the stupid d- that shot the theater was, you know, saying he was Joker. That was actually a mis- uh, misinterpretation by one of the cops on the scene. He just died his hair red for some reason. He didn't say he was the Joker. So that was like a huge, huge, uh, incorrect statement going around, especially for around the film because the, uh, the theater where it happened refused to show it, which, you know, that's fair for their choice. I kind of get that, but I mean, I mean, to say this again, going back to the idea that, you know, Dark Dark Knight inspired that stuff. Like, give me a break, people. And I
0: think one, and so I mentioned this at the top, and this is stuff like dealing with his mind and how his mind played tricks on it. And if you're not careful, you'll, you won't find out what's real or what's not real. Well, the stuff with Zazie Beat's
1: character was not real and you know, yeah which was which is funny i i kind of can't believe i didn't get that because very early on they introduced the whole scene where he's uh, on the talk show and he has that fantasy about you know yeah maury saying he's a good guy but that's the only time it happens and because it was todd phillips and you know his passive hangover movies i kind of bought into that relationship because i was like oh yeah that's probably how he sees relationships in films. so even though it felt off at first i was like i guess it's right but then they have the nice twist, like oh no, it was fake all along. Well, like
0: after they're coming back from his botched comedy mm-hmm. uh, from from his comedy show, well, like he sees a, a newspaper and it has a clipping of the clown and he's trying to mimic a smile. Well, she is there and it's like I'm glad somebody killed those guys. That they, they sucked. Uh, we need somebody else to go after and get the rest of the people like this and got them. And that yes. to me, that to me was the Joker. Uh, that that was the part of his mind saying this needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my, like that's what her character was basically with him for a majority of that time is that yeah. she, he, she was kind of beside him was like saying, Hey, listen, this, this stuff, you know, it's, ha- it's gonna, it's happening. I'm glad it happened. Maybe somebody else should do some more of this, whether it's you, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it was like uh, three pricks down, a million to go in this city. Yep. The, el- the only complaint I had about that was, though, because that was the only scene that was giving me reason to believe in the situation of Gotham. Because prior to, you know, uh, Joker killing those three businessmen, Thomas Wayne going on the, uh, TV saying that the poor, the poor people in the city are clowns. Yeah, like I didn't really get a hint that there was actually a situation going on in the city where the film leads to, you know, riots and stuff. So when I saw uh, Zz Bastion saying from like a common folk standpoint, "Yeah, screw the rich," I was like, "Oh, okay, there is hostility there," which the film interdu- kind of introduces, I guess, in the beginning with the trash strike because that was one of the, the thing that's going on for the whole film. Yeah, there's garbage piling up everywhere because the trash, uh, the garbage men are not doing their job. Because I guess you know maybe there's a union they're protesting which I kind of brought into especially later when you know Arthur's meeting with this his social worker and she's like uh they're, they're shutting us down okay maybe the whole the whole reason for people being on edge as you know uh the city the city is going against its its citizens and you know now they're fighting back yeah but now no that but knowing that ZZ beats his character was a hallucination when she said that. I kind of lost my belief that there truly was that feeling of the, going around the city because, again, that was in his mind, his his own justification. So I wouldn't like to see more of that, but even then, that's not a a huge thing going against the film. It just kind of stuck out to me that the whole the whole catalyst to to believe in the situation, the city prior to uh, Thomas Wayne saying the citizens are clowns was kind of lost.
0: Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned that Thomas Wayne comment. He also says these people were cowards dressing up behind masks. Like, he, yeah, he, 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 your son's
1: gonna do that one day. <laughs> I, I know we're we're, we're trying to go in order here, but I just want to say uh, the ending with Bruce Wayne's parents getting killed. <laughs> Bruce, shows some emotion. <laughs> <I know laughs> like it. he just stood there, like okay, my parents got shot. It's like For- he has he's, he he must have seen all the Batman movies. He just knew it was coming. <laughs> And you know what? I think of the uh, things happen is like,
0: I know people. Uh, somebody was saying, "Why? Why were the Waynes going down Crime
1: Alley anyway?"
0: And that gives yeah, them just, a reason to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was just funny. Like, why would you come out in, in the middle of a riot? Just, like, hide in that building. It's probably, it'd probably safer. Which Thomas of, Wayne was just Thomas Wayne was just asking for it at that speaking
0: point. Of, I, I found, I, uh, of course that that scene where you have Arthur and Bruce interacting. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, well, first of all, why is the playground out in the front yard like that? Uh, second, uh, you notice the way he swung down the pole? It kind of... Mm-hmm. Oh, it probably, yeah. It was, it was like, getting you know, some people a uh, reminiscent of the Adam West Batman doing that. And then all that, it's a classic battle between Bruce and Joker. One is mm-hmm. playing games, one is not, one is serious. And... You know, in a way we kinda did get Joker versus Batman, but not the way we thought we would. But you know, I'll bring this up. Uh Robert Panson for the Lighthouse, he's actually going up for lead actor and looks like Joaquin is so you're you're gonna get Batman Joker at the Oscars. Okay. So there we go. But uh he, and also we get young Alfred in that scene and he Alfred almost chokes to death.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is like, Holy crap, they're about to kill Alfred here.
1: Yeah, Alfred's only powerful when he's older. That's what I've learned in the comics. Young Alfred's useless. <laughs> now, 84-year-old Alfred, he'll kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I, pre- I appreciated the movie getting that right.
0: <laughs> yes, but uh, going on from that, when, uh, so let's let's talk about uh, Arthur here, of course. Uh, head trauma, uh the laugh is a part of them. You see the laugh early on, mm-hmm. and like it is conditioned. But I do think at some point it becomes natural to him.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing because uh, after the uh, psyche, the uh, social working department gets shut down or defunded, he starts not taking his drugs. Yeah. So I think that was the thing. I think the drugs, or the implication was the drugs were holding him back. And once he took them off, he just realized what he was all along and accepted it rather and than hide from it. And let's go off that fact, and let's talk about when didn't we think he first
0: became Junker. My, th- there's three spots for me. One is, of course, uh, the subway scene, of course. He had the bad day where he's at the children's hospital. The gun pops out. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious how he's just like, it's a prop. And, like, and then, His boss like, what are you going to do, shoot the kids? And, and then, of course, he gets fired and I will say that the people that he worked with, the first line when he was talking to the short guy, one of his friends was, it's like, what do you people call miniature golf, regular golf? I was like, goodness gracious. (laughs) Uh, But uh, my first inclination was to think that was the subway scene where he kills those first two dudes out of Mm self-defense. But after that, he, he gets the thrill of it and guns down the third one
1: Oh, yeah, he runs and dances in a bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) And part of me... Which I do got to agree with him. They were very off-tune in that uh, scene of sending the clowns. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, they were. But, you know,
0: that was my first inclination. A couple others, when he kills his mom, or his Mm -hmm. adoptive mom, when he does that, when he says, my my life isn't a tragedy, it's a comedy. Mm Mm-hmm. And he he just suffocates her with a pillow, and then after that he feels like he's kind of free, mm-hmm. where he doesn't have to worry about it. And basically, since he's adopted, does he really have a name? Is he really Arthur Fleck?
1: And that's what I did like. Even though it's trying a little too much to justify him, there's still a lot of mystery to it. So the whole backstory is kind of a little hard to get a grip on. Yeah, But it does give us inclination of how he became, you know, the Joker in this short span of time. But Which the, I got say, boy, he had the worst 72 hours of any human being. I'll tell you that much. Oh no, it, like, all leaning up to that, and he had the one bad day at the Children's
0: Hospital, and then he had him getting jumped at the subway. Is mm-hmm. like, I, I'm done with this. And I think that's one of the things you do kind of feel bad for him at the beginning, but as you learn his actions, like, this is just hang it's like yeah this guy is terrifying
1: yeah i wonder if maybe that was what the people starting this controversy were trying to make the point but they just couldn't because you know they're idiots is that was the film going for an anti-hero feel i don't think so i feel like there's this sympathy card at the beginning yes but then you realize oh he's getting a thrill out of this because you know I think with most people, after killing someone in self-defense, they probably feel bad about it after a while. But yeah. then he dances to it. It's like, okay, there we go. There's where we can start. And as he just goes on and on, you just see him just fall apart, and you realize, okay, this guy's this guy's a true villain at this point.
0: Yeah, and I think the last point where we could talk about whether he became the Joker is when he's back at Arkham at the end, and the therapist there, psychiatrist or whatever... Is that he's laughing, and she's like, what's funny? It's like, I'm just thinking of a joke, and she asks, what is it? And there's a flashback to Bruce Wayne with both of his parents dead. It's like, mm-hmm. he wouldn't get it. <laughs> and that that's Joker right there. Oh, yeah. And then he just walks out of the room. Walk, uh, look, there's blood on his shoes. And look, killed that therapist, and then he just goes out escapes and is trying to get away from it, uh, people that are trying to catch him.
1: Real quick, do you think he killed uh, ZZ Bat and her daughter? I think so. I do too. And that's I th- when I was like, oh, this guy's evil. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. I
0: mean, pretty much an indication. Like, the way that he... It's kind of like... Y- there's a dark tone leading up to that after he walks out. Mm-hmm. And, like, and you hear the sirens going on after. Yeah. And you don't hear anything coming out of that room a- after he leaves. Which my inclination is, you probably would, and mm-hmm. so yeah, he ki- he killed them. Oh yeah, it's implied. Yeah, I don't think you need to show that; it just implied that it, that
1: happened. It's it's hardcore to imply that he killed a single mom and hit her daughter just just because she didn't understand that he was hallucinating a relationship with her. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That's messed up. I I appreciate that. Like, here's the thing: I've seen. I've seen darker, uncomfortable films than this one, but in terms of a wide release with a character that's recognizable, I'll give Warner Brothers respect here for doing what they did. Because they could have easily pushed out some locations, but they, in that instance, boy, did they go for it. When did you think he became the Joker? Uh, I... I think in the Staircase of Arkham. When uh, he learned about, uh all you know, his how his past actually was, how his mom lied to him, and that leads him to, you know, get off the drugs and just become Joker. Yeah. I was actually waiting for a scene where he tracked down the kids from the beginning and killed them.
0: Okay. I thought that
1: I I thought that was gonna be the controversial scene those critics were talking about.
0: Yeah. So I guess this is kind of our lead to get to the end and of course he goes on the Murray Franklin Show, played by Robert De Niro, he,
1: it, who's very good, by the way, for what for what little he had to work with.
0: Yeah, of course, this is a spin on like Taxi Driver, which he was in, and The King of Comedy,
1: which he was in. That that was another thing I wanted to bring up because they're definitely going for that Taxi Driver feel. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Ryan. No, it, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, basically, Robert De Niro's character, you know, he's a. Uh, depressed, honorably discharged Marine from Vietnam. He's living in isolation. And the terror of that character, uh, Travis Bickle was this is a guy who can easily fit into society, but doesn't know how to act in society. Like he land in the movie. He lands a date with a, uh, uh, a businesswoman or, or something. I, for- oh, I forget. And he's like, let's go to a movie. But of course, cause he doesn't realize, you know, social cues. He takes her to a porno. <laughs> Yeah. And of course she walks out and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know I didn't know you didn't get this. This is the film I'm into. So yeah, there's there's a lot of things. And that's that was kind of the thing that I wish Joker could have done a little more of. Which I think maybe being normal to or kind of fitting in, but it just it just kept it just eats him.
0: I mean, there's a couple scenes where he was trying to figure out that stuff, like how did I Exactly like, Especially with his laugh where his but oh, la- where's laugh the, was the,
1: off? The kid on the bus, you know, he's like, oh, there's like a little humanity there of him, you know, knowing to entertain a kid. And the mother's like, would you leave my kid alone? Yeah. It's like, lady, this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Find that character. This is her fault. Put her in Arkham. <laughs>
0: oh. So, yeah, he's, he's at the end. Of course, you had uh, the scene that we've seen in all the tra- uh, We've seen the trailers are marking with him dancing on the stairs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which, to that song that they have in the movie... Uh, which is my gary glitter who's a convicted pedophile
1: oh yeah the whole the whole controversy it's like i will say that was a weird song choice to begin with yeah because it's kind of like wait are we celebrating joker now but well, i gotta is. say you know, if you go with that song uh rock and roll 2 by gary glitter you have heard that at every sports event you've ever been to yeah so mainstream media don't come at me like the joker movie's using the pedophile song why don't you go to the sports teams and tell them that yeah. I guarantee you, now they'll stop playing that because it's it's knowledge. But but stop giving me this trash. I don't know why they're against this movie, but it's kind of a disgrace to uh, journalism journalism ethics. Yeah, but
0: of course. And, and so leading up to that, you have the scene where he's being chased by the cops and on the subway train, mm-hmm. which I think that's kind of Joker like Joker-like too, where like everybody's they're getting ready for the rally later, or mm-hmm. or riots or whatever. And he puts on the Joker mask and puts on a clown mask where he can be, where they can't find him. And, and he starts to ride on the train. Yep, they start to the ride on the train, and that's what gets him away. And he goes on the Murray Franklin show, says, Can you introduce me as Joker? And then I think up until that point, one of the things, he wrote a couple things interesting in his journal. Uh, one of the things about mental health is like, one of the worst things about having it is you have to behave as if you don't have it. And mm-hmm. then the other thing is I I want my death to make more sense in my life. And I think up to that point he's planning on killing himself at at the Murray Franklin show.
1: Oh yeah, cuz before uh before the scene where he uh kills uh his friend from work and spares the other one, he's you know planning his entrance to the Murray Franklin show, doing the knock-knock joke. He's like knock-knock and then once the who's there comes he points the uh, gun to his throat. Which or, uh,
0: which by the way, that scene when he lets uh the little guy go,
1: which I I was scared for him. I was like he's gonna kill him, isn't he? And of oh course- yeah, especially when he especially when he had the uh, the deadbolt on <laughs> yes. the top where he couldn't reach. I was like, oh, that's sick. I love that.
0: <laughs> uh, but he just lets him go. I was like, no, you were always nice to me. So he Just lets him go. Mm-hmm. But so he goes on the show. I think up until that point, until Murray's talking, he's basically talking more crap about him and shows the clip again. I think up until that point, he's planning on killing himself. But after that, he's like, you know what? It's not going to do. I need. I need to kill this guy.
1: Yeah, because uh, which is which. I did like the idea of the hypocrisy. You know, a person like Maury Franklin telling Joker that there are good people in this world. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're not one of them. You're a. You're basically Jimmy Kimmel. You talk a bunch of trash and then try to be political. Like, screw you. And I think
0: there's a. Isn't there an animated thing where like the Joker goes on late night TV and kills everybody? I think there was. Oh,
1: uh, I... There is. I, I just forget what... Forget what the uh, name of it was.
0: Now, I thought before going into this, uh, a couple of things that I, I thought going into this. One, I talked about my expectations. One, that society may not have had much of a big part to play. I was wrong. They had as much of a part to play in this as any because he says it in the line before he kills Murray, but also is that part. And, and talking about all, all this stuff and... It, it's crazy. So like before, and so when he goes on there, I, I, I think he's going to, I thought he was going to kill everybody, but then after I realized he's not going to do that, he's going to kill Murray and that's it. He's going to make a statement on live TV.
1: That was my thing too. Cause I never thought he was going to kill him. I mean, of course, you know, it's a joker. So they're going to have future plans for the character. But I thought he was gonna rally a bunch of people to like sneak in, just shoot up the audience. Which I thought maybe that explains why people are a little hesitant with it, and maybe why that Aurora's uh theater was like, uh, yeah, we're not, we're not showing that. Yeah. But of course, you know, the riots he he inspired, but no one knew it was him until of course he was on TV and saying, uh, "I did the murders." Yeah. I was kind of more like, yeah, how is this thing gonna go? And there's part of me that's slightly disappointed that it was just him shooting Murray and that was about it, but it made sense from a story standpoint.
0: And like before, he goes on, so he's out there dancing. He kisses the guest, which I mean. oh my god,
1: his 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 knock knock joke, especially for a dark humor guy like me, that was. I think that was the time I laughed the most because like that, this guy. But
0: but like the line he leads in right before he kills Murray is basically like. Mm-hmm. I I'm paraphrasing. What do you get with when you mix together a mentally ill person along with a broken society that abandons him and uh treats him like trash? And basically he says it before this would step over his body if it was him that would die. And he mm-hmm. basically says you get what you deserve, shoots him right in the head, and chaos ensues. Yeah. And which is basically like okay, and then he goes right up to the camera and I swear, that's a not to Heath Ledger's jokers. He's about to say, let's put a smile on that face. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, uh, he's about to say, like, oh, shoot, they cut it.
1: Yeah. I got to say, 1981, they definitely didn't have uh, a dump button for uh, in the control room because they, uh, they stayed on that killing for a while. Yeah. And so he gets it. Must, a- must have been the date. I mean, that was- it was like the uh, the Bud Dwyer suicide on TV. It's like, oh, geez, cut, guys, cut. <laughs> so he, he he gets arrested, and
0: of course, there's a scene that kind of mirrors the Dark Knight scene where he's looking out uh, mm-hmm. because he's free in the Dark Knight. We in the truck and he and he's admiring basically all this chaos that he helped start. All these riots are going around Gotham, and, and he's like. He, the cops are like, you see all, all this stuff you've caused? And it's like, yeah, isn't it beautiful? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh,
1: yeah, it, 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 it's Joker now. And then the protesters uh, crash into the car. They free him. He dances as the city burns and Bruce's parents get shot. Then he, he's bleeding through the mouth. He, he makes the big Joker smile we all know. It's like, that's good. Again, it's one of those things like, if you're going to tell me this is how we get the Joker we know in later films,
0: yeah, I can see it. Which, I don't know if we will. Of course, you got the age gap there with Bruce and Joker himself. And also, Ty Phillips and Joaquin have kind of said, like, this Joker's not going to fight Batman. But they have talked about maybe seeing where else they can take this character. Joaquin isn't opposed to doing it. They have had some talks about where if they do another one, wherever they go with it.
1: Yeah, I just, I and Joaquin's, Joaquin's 44, so he could theoretically in like two three years just put on some makeup to look older because that's the thing joker's not been a physical batman villain joker's power is proving that batman can't do everything because again the only way to beat joker is to kill him which is something batman will never do that's what the dark knight does so perfectly which
0: i wonder how old this joker is i think he's in his late 30s
1: yeah because again walking phoenix is looks pretty again it's it's acting so they can make you know a 44 year old look 22 if they wanted to so which,
0: if you did do that you would get almost a 60 year old joker because yeah. Bruce Wayne is not that old in this he's about oh nine. he's like
1: yeah eight or nine yeah yeah Canonically, I'm pretty sure yeah between eight and ten that's when his parents got shot which uh the nice touch there because canonically his his uh parents got shot when they were coming out of Zorro so I like that touch yeah I will also say, uh, this is probably the worst death of Thomas and Martha I've seen. <laughs> it was just kind of lazy.
0: Well, listen, they they probably it was probably just thrown in there, kind of like, oh, here, here's a little something for oh, everybody. Yeah.
1: I know, but it just like, happened so much, they just gave up trying to make something of it. <laughs> it
0: the parents are probably like, ah, oh, not again.
1: It's like Uncle Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say this? I hate to say it. The, the best death of Batman's parents is still Batman Superman. Uh, you know, I, I, that was the best part of that movie for me. Like that was artful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I guess to wrap this all up, the sun, the sun this up. It is a tragedy because of what happened. And it deals with a whole lot more issues than mental health, even though it do, it does deal with that. And this is basically talking about what happens with a broken man in broken society. And basically you have a bunch of crap in your life. And then just that one bad day that tips you over the edge. Mm-hmm. It This is basically, that's basically Joker. And I, I think he's Joker at the end of the movie. And I don't think, yeah, it this is coming all back to what we started on the killing joke. And I, if I had a pass, I prefer it to be multiple choice. And I think his past is multiple choice. He could have, he might've been adopted. He, he might not have been, who who knows, the joker is an unreliable narrator
1: exactly honestly if they had like truly done the uh that batman and joker brothers that'd be interesting for future films yeah i don't know how many people will have loved it no i like say in terms of interesting it would have been fun to explore but again i think it would have pushed it but i like for a while that i was truly into i was like where could that go yeah, th- th- there's a point. He's like, "Oh crap, are they going down this route?" Mm-hmm. That that's the good thing about this film. Like, it introduces stuff, but then makes it either incorrect or uh, not known if it's true. So even though it's that's my thing, it's it's straightforward in what it's doing in terms of, like the cliches of a story like this, but it's still giving you room to think. Yeah, because who knows? Maybe he did leave uh, Z Z Bat's room and just you know went back and that was you know gotham city sirens because it's a bad city maybe so
0: maybe it's the same maybe it was the same thing with the short guy yeah maybe so but uh you peter i i like this film this is one of my favorite films of the year i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed the character study aspect of it and if, hey and you know what here's a couple other things warner brothers they use their old sort of logo
1: yeah i i appreciate that at the beginning
0: and there was no DC logo at the beginning either.
1: No, which is smart because this isn't really part of the DCEU. And also, I mean, from what, like, say, if if Marvel did a film about one of their villains, I doubt they would use, you know, the Marvel signature of, you know, Iron Man and all of them, because I feel like, well, this isn't really that Marvel film.
0: Yeah. And another thing that caught my eye, Peter Bradley Cooper was a producer on this
1: movie. Oh, yeah. I, I read that. Uh, which is like that. That's because again, Todd Phillips' Hangover. Yeah, yep. There you go. You know, that's what he was doing while he was missing. <laughs> he was taking Joker, <laughs> while Zach Galifianakis got a baby. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you remember the Hangover? Those movie sucked. <laughs> uh, I I didn't really watch them. Uh, I, I was in middle school when they came out. Everyone loved them. <laughs> it's a nightmare. So Peter, oh, so
0: we saw this movie. Saw this movie today i have seen it twice you've seen it first time what was your
1: reaction to it overall it's a good film i recommend it i will say uh if joaquin phoenix is nominated i think it's earned i think so but if he's not it wouldn't upset me too much like i definitely think they'll get
0: nominated for cinematography and score
1: oh yeah and he'll get some you know acting awards on the way you know maybe a golden globe i could see yeah but i think for the academy that might be a little much. Yeah. Because again, I, th- I unfortunately think the stupid controversy will weigh. I'm not saying this is a best picture film by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's a little off from there. But in terms of uh, doing something actually interesting with a comic book property, yeah, I-, I respect it a lot. So, yeah. Suck it, Mouse. DC did something different than you. <laughs> I- I'm fine with films like these, they've done well. Yeah. And Oh, yeah. Like I say, if you want to have superhero stuff be like shazam i'm all for it and you want to have your villain stuff be like joker more the merrier differentiate dc this is what you should do my last
0: point on this is i would recommend it but i wouldn't recommend you go on dates to see this because i had a friend that had a date and they went to see this movie
1: i would not do that (laughs) yeah take her to see the original last house on the left (laughs) (laughs) The joke there is the original Last House on the left is a literal nightmare of filmmaking.
0: <laughs> so, everybody, last thing to get to, let's talk a little about the Spider-Man news, Peter. Let's talk about a little something that's happy.
1: Yeah, expl- explain this deal to me, because it just felt like it happened, and I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs>
0: well, of course, there's been a lot of PR stuff with like, Tom Holland and like talking to Iger and Rothman, trying to get everybody to come to an agreement. I don't know if if he had a much part of it or whether it was just PR. But either way, this deal happened and the way I understand it, it's a 25% co-financing thing, which means Disney will get 25% of the profits that they make on this one. So he's getting a third Spider-Man movie and then another Marvel appearance. And I think after that, it'll be they'll still be negotiating. Now, listen, we're a little less than two years out away from Spider-Man 3, which they'll probably have to get started on production here within the next six, seven months, probably, looking
1: at it. Which is reasonable because they probably had a plan to begin with. Yeah, especially especially with the Mm post-credits. And this deal just sort
0: of came together and I think, and one of the big things here was the fact that Kevin Feige said, that Spider-Man is a character that is able to cross cinematic universes, which means there'll be some, if Spider-Man goes to some of Sony's films, there'll mm-hmm. be some loose details based off what's happened in the Marvel films related to him in there, and then vice versa, which I'm fine with. I I think that's actually a good idea. If you want to keep Spider-Man in your Marvel films, great. But if you want to throw him in your Venom films, fine. Which I mean, Peter. At the end of the day, we all won here because we get Spider Man back in the
1: MCU, and we get oh, to finish yeah. off this trilogy. And as usual, Disney gets what Disney wants. Yeah, now even if they're in the wrong. Now I believe
0: I, it was probably on the Hollywood Reporter. I read this where this was one of the original deals in January. Then something happened, and then the talks kind of broke off. And then something happened in June, and then that eventually led to. I, they went back to the negotiating table. They, Disney's like, let's do 50 50. And Sony was like, no, screw that. And the deal mm-hmm. was done. And now we're back to where we were at, at sometime last year, uh, this time last year, where Sony and Disney are playing nice with each other. Mm-hmm. And so now we get Spider Man back.
1: Yeah. And I can tell you, it's doing, you know, doing some stuff with business in the past, that's how it kind of goes. The original deals, like, the, er, the first deal usually is what what happens, but everyone tries to do their, you know, get the best of it at the beginning or as it goes on. And it's just coming back to the original. It's like, why'd you guys waste your time? Because you got to explore your options. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it shouldn't have surprised me that they got, they got their stuff together because that's how it goes. And I mean, Disney's smart, Disney and Sonny are both smart enough to realize. That they have to make a deal.
0: Yeah, this makes money. It, it, it's like, it, basically somebody said, oh, hey, let's not be dumb. We're making crap tons of money with Spider-Man. Exactly. And
1: He's... if Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3 is going to be 2021 and the next Avengers film, what, looking like 2022, 2023, probably? That, that may be his next appearance. Yeah. That gives them a lot more time to figure out a longer-term deal. Because, like I say, they... Two films sounds great and all, but you, they probably want maybe another six film deal, just yeah. to be safe. You know what, Peter? The
0: thing that sucks about this is we're not going to get that Night Monkey film.
1: Yeah. Crap. You know what? It gives us more time to focus on the Frogger universe.
0: Well, Peter, I was thinking of interconnecting them. <laughs> Connect Night <sighs> Monkey, Frogger, the Rocket Raccoon, uh, Howard <laughs> Duck. Uh, let's get our own I... Avengers team going here.
1: I feel like historically Atari and Disney hate each other, so I don't know if we can get those properties together. <laughs>
0: uh, you know, what?
1: we'll have Universal do it.
0: Well, yeah. See, Marvel they
1: they seem to be doing good, getting uh other people's properties in their uh in their their parks. Well, Disney and Universal or
0: seem to be playing nice with each other because especially with the She Hulk show coming. So mm-hmm. who so who knows if something's happened with them. Uh, Of course, there's been rumors about Namor, and he's tied to Universal, but yeah, I'm glad we got Spidey back. Of course, this happens after I record, uh, after I do something with stuff about the Batman film, and talking about Feige doing Star Wars and all that stuff, which by the way, Peter, speaking of Batman, you know the Arkham games, right? Oh yeah. Well, reportedly... There's a rumor going around that the next one is going to center on the Court of Owls. Oh, that's fun. Now, who knows if we'll see the movies do it. I kind of hope they do. You've you convinced me on that idea. That idea could be fun. But it, the but doing it in the games, it's going to be fun, too. So, I guess, let me let me get a couple thoughts before we get out here, since you didn't get to talk about it. Uh, Jeffrey Ryan Jonah Hill
1: are going to be a part of Batman. And fight you doing Star Wars? The fight I started fighting doing Star Wars because with the Batman stuff, I'm just kind of like I got I need to see a trailer before I can you know really analyze. I love Jonah Hill as an actor. I know it's kind of popular now to hate him again, but I I think he's good. He does a good job with what he has, and you know, not not to be mean to Jonah Hill, but he, you know he can put on some weight. He could be a good Penguin easily. Well, I've heard Riddler
0: mention too.
1: Riddler be good, too. Yeah. Now, I've heard Jonah... Those are the two big ones that Jonah Hill could do easily in this film. Now, I think it might have been
0: James McAvoy that said he wouldn't mind playing Riddler, too.
1: I'd like... uh, That'd be interesting. McAvoy as Riddler, Jonah Hill as Joker. That'd be an interesting intro for a Batman film. Yeah. But, uh, Feige and Star Wars, this interests me because... My biggest complaint with episodes 7 and 8 is they're trying too hard to be Marvel. And that's not working for me in Star Wars. Because, you know, superheroes and space operas are two different things. Yeah. So there's part of me that's worried like, oh, you're going to bring in the guy who literally does Marvel stuff? It's going to be awful. But 5g seems like a smart guy who gets properties. So I think he could be the guy that would be like, yeah, Star Wars isn't supposed to be Marvel. It's supposed to be Star Wars, and my, we might get something interesting there again. the <laughs> The structure of Star Wars is weird right now because Brian Johnson's getting his trilogy. The uh, showrunners of Game of Thrones sounds like it's never happening, so I. Don't know, is Foggy getting a trilogy or just a film? Like, is that all they've said so far? I think he's doing a film. I imagine just a, yeah, just a film makes more sense with Marvel stuff. Just a film. I think it's going to be just a film. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see where he goes with it. Because again, we don't know what Ryan's doing. We don't know what he's doing. I don't doing. even know if that's going on the anymore. The yeah, Ryan I don't Johnson? even know if
0: that trilogy's going to happen.
1: Oh, the, they said it's still going. All right. The, uh, the the Game of Thrones guys is definitely not happening. Huh. Okay. Because they'd rather you know they'd rather have the guy to <laughs> off Star Wars fans rather than Game of Thrones fans. Because <laughs> logic. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it, it's weird because you know, after this December, Star Wars is pretty much just Disney Plus. There's no big films. Yeah, Mandalorians. Which Star is interesting Wars, to me. Clone Wars. Because I imagine Ryan Johns will start on his Star Wars here pretty soon once Knives Out is, you know, run its uh, promotional stuff. Yeah. So that's it's interesting because especially after I went to Star Wars Land, I wanted to succeed yeah. again. And I do want to see some good stuff actually happen because riding Star Tours is fun. It made me made me for made me realize, oh yeah, Star Wars is just a fun space property. Yeah. It shouldn't be this miserable, dumb political stuff. So, I'd love to see it do good stuff, but I—I I don't know. I, I would love to see a trilogy from Feige, but again, time-wise, we probably won't get that. You know what, Peter?
0: I suggest that this is before the Disney-Sony, before Disney and Sony made up. Feige put Holland in there. Oh, <laughs> like that would have been great, but uh. Yeah, so, like, Batman, Spider-Man, those two are coming out 2021. Uh bunch of films coming out 2021, Peter. The Comic book films, you got Shang-Chi, Batman, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man 3, Suicide Squad, Thor Love and Thunder. 2021 is going to be awesome, but also you're going to have John Wick 4, Jurassic World 3, Indiana Jones 5, Space Jam 2. Coming out on the same day as Spider-Man 3, which, LeBron, you're taking an L there. Yeah. Sorry, bud.
1: Yeah. You know what? We'll get a good Marvel vs. DC year for once. Yeah. And then we get Mission Impossible 7
0: later on that summer.
1: Uh, we get Tommy Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah,
0: superhero franchise in its own right. Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: so, that'll do it, everybody. That was our talk about Joker, talking about everything that's happened within the last few days since, P- since Peter hasn't been able to been on. It's nice to be able to do an entertainment podcast not solo for the first time in a while. (laughs) But, uh, it's great. I'm glad he had a fun time in Orlando. I am a little bit jealous he got to explore a little bit of, uh, Diagon Alley, even though it's been a few years for me, and I've been there twice, but I don't care. I love that place. I still hate you didn't get butter beer. And I I told you, if you got a (laughs) wand, they would cost you
1: $50. Oh, there, when I was in the, uh, the Star Wars gift shop. I was really considering spending like $100 on the uh, Black Series Darth Vader oh. lightsaber. I was close to doing no, it. Oh,
0: man. Uh, listen, I wouldn't have put it past you if you did it. So, th- there's that. <laughs> so, everybody, thank you for tuning into this edition of the Entertainment from the 573 Podcast. Peter, where can people find you at?
1: Uh, The actual Peter on the Twitter and the Instagram. And you
0: can find me at RyanViews573. And check out the Entertainment Channel on on YouTube check out the account on Twitter at ENT underscore 573 pod that'll do it, everybody if you haven't gotten a chance to go see Joker again we recommend go see it uh, if you're taking a date go see some something else and then go see this on your own or with some friends but guys go out and see this film uh, well, we both seem to like this film and, uh, and good stuff for DC they get a win here which they don't get many of those so good job for them So thank you guys again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.